Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work, but more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job or maybe you've been unemployed for a while or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. There is a lot happening right now for me, for reworking, for the book, the podcast. The best way to really keep up on things, go to the website, reworkingworks.com. You can go ahead and reach out to me. Following me on LinkedIn is really one of the best ways to keep up to date on things. Subscribe to the podcast. Really pleased with how the podcast is gaining more and more listeners every day. We are as far away as Algeria. I'm not sure how that happened, but I'm excited. We still have a pretty healthy core group in Singapore. Still not sure about that one. Poland, Switzerland, Peru. Very excited. You guys keep coming back. I'm going to keep talking about all things unemployment. So let's get right into today. I want to talk about a topic that's come up a lot with clients, and it's also something I have experienced myself. I want to talk to you about this term enmeshment. It's fun to say, enmeshment. And it's, I forget what the term is, but it's one of those words that almost sounds like what it is. I think it's onomatopoeia. And enmeshment almost tangles up the tongue. And that's exactly what it means. It means that your relationships, your boundaries are tangled. They weave into each other. And it's hard to know where one person's needs and and another person's needs begin, they cannibalize each other. And I'm being very graphic because it is a very intense thing. If you are interested in keeping track, it was coined in the 70s and it was coined by, I'm going to get the name wrong, I know, Salvador Munichin. It makes sense that it's from the 70s. That's when we started to talk about codependent relationships and dysfunctional relationships. That's really what it is. So how does this impact work? (laughs) Think about it. Enmeshment talks about unclear boundaries and 
this is where there's too much pressure or expectation put on one group by another or one person for another, and where one person's or an individual's needs are superseded by that of another. And I'm not talking about things like when you have children. That's normal. We all know that. You do without when you have kids. You give to your kids first. Or elder care. Or when, you know, your partner's down and you're there for them. That's normal. When it becomes an issue, when it really becomes enmeshment, is where one person overly identifies with the more dominant relationship or personality where their needs become your needs. You cease to exist as an individual. And this is why it's so concerning in the workplace. If you think about it, work defines us. Uh, What's the first thing someone asks you when they meet you? You're at a cocktail party, a wedding, and after your name, who are you friends with? It's, so what do you do? It's how we not only define ourselves, it really in the past was how we named ourselves. Think about this. A lot of common last names, Baker, Cooper, Farmer, Professions, and it's in other countries as well. It's not unusual that we identify ourselves through work, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with proudly saying, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I work construction, I work in IT. Having pride in your work is normal and natural. I think it's important for our well-being. It's when we no longer exist as individuals outside of work. That's when it becomes an issue. This is really important now, I think, because a lot of people feel what I call job insecure. Maybe you work at a company that's had a bunch of layoffs. Maybe you're very in the technology sphere and gosh knows that place has, we're seeing the giants like Meta have huge layoffs. And these are by history organizations that demand a lot of their employees. When you think about work, we are very dependent on it and the organizations we work for, really for everything. They pay us, they give us health care, they give us a social outlet, and they demand a lot back. I think this is something we will debate more and more in the employment landscape, especially as younger generations, as Gen Z continues to come into the workplace, because they don't have that loyalty that we have, our parents had, our grandparents before them had. That loyalty that our predecessors had was wonderful and lovely to a point. It also sometimes can and was abusive because you didn't exist outside of your company. Your company didn't care about you, except for the fact that you worked for them. And as long as you produced, and it goes beyond just hitting a job performance. It could be you're aging out or you're part of 
a group that should be protected and you're determined no longer to be welcome. It could be not adapting a mentality of the organization. This is such an in-depth thing. I could probably do podcasts on just this. So I want to stay a little on the surface, but I think it's really important to take a look and examine, are you in fact enmeshed with your organization or your job or your profession? And here are a couple of signs that let you know whether or not you are. You'll feel a lot of things. Anxiety, sometimes depression, sometimes isolation and loneliness. We all feel those things from time to time. It becomes enmeshment when you no longer have a sense of yourself. If I were to ask you, tell me about yourself, but <laughs> you cannot tell me about your work or your profession. If you are stumbling for an answer right now, <sighs> I'm a little worried about you. You might be experiencing enmeshment. Other things. If you only get validation through your workplace, meaning good job, or here's an award or a performance review, and nothing else gives you quite that feeling of satisfaction, it's not a good sign. If you lack activities out of work, you remember that saying, all work and no play? If that's you, there might be an issue. If you are unable to come up with things that make you happy and take up your time out of work, if you can't come up with a hobby or an activity or something, that is not a great sign. What it really means is you might have, and I'm saying might, those boundaries might be pushed. Other things to delve deeper into this. It's a complex thing. I don't mean to overly simplify it, and I don't mean to scare you. I want you to just take stock. If you can't distinguish your thought from those of your organization, it's great that you want to work at a place that believes in the same values and things that you do. But if you have to agree with absolutely everything and you can't have a discerning opinion of your own, that might be enmeshment. If you can only be around people who think like you and like the organization, could be enmeshment. If you have trouble advocating for yourself at work, if you feel that by standing up for yourself, standing up for a wrong, standing up for something that you are entitled to, that they are obligated to give you, might be enmeshment. Things like an error in your paycheck or time off that you are owed. Those things. There's a lot to think about here. If your future is threatened, if things you want are questionable because of work, meaning maybe you can't find time for a relationship, 
or maybe you want to move somewhere different. These are all things to just really step back and take stock of. But if you're having trouble just stepping back, that might be enmeshment. And it's important to have this secure identity for yourself. It makes you more valuable to an organization. If you are happy and fulfilled, you will perform better. You will have less health issues. You will be a better coworker, a better employee. That's why this is so important. Why do I think this is so topical now? So someone asked me this question the other day. I actually saw it on a LinkedIn poll. And it was, is it appropriate to contact an employee on vacation to tell them that their job is being eliminated? I couldn't believe we were actually asking that question. This is another way you know that your boundaries have been breached. Unless something really important is going on. I used to have this joke, like, I'm not a thoracic surgeon. No one should be calling me on the weekends. There's no child to save with open heart surgery. I understand if you have an IT job and the new website is crashing and you're the only one who can solve it. Yeah, that's great. Calling you for simple things on a weekend expecting you to come in every weekend, stay late, come in early every day. That's a serious breach of your boundaries. And if you do not feel comfortable and secure being able to say, no, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That is again, that breach of your boundaries. And that means you might be in this toxic relationship with work. How do we get this way? Sometimes we learn this in our homes. Sometimes, unfortunately, we're brought up this way. We either see an example of, like I said earlier, our predecessors, our parents, grandparents, going to work that way and treating their jobs that way. Other times it's because we've had relationships where we've put ourselves second. We don't know how to put ourselves first. The damage is there's this dependence that we have on work. And that makes this perfect storm for us to give in to this kind of relationship. A lot of times it's a slippery slope. Coming in one weekend suddenly turns into every weekend. Constantly accommodating coworkers who need certain PTO or they can't do certain tasks. Now we call that learned helplessness or what do we call that weaponized incompetence sometimes. And we're always the one to sweep in and save the day. We do it because it feels good. We think we're getting recognized for it. When that recognition doesn't happen or when it's the expectation, that's when that boundary is getting blurred. One thing that I want to bring up is there's this term psychological safety. It's actually from the 60s. And it is when, for a better way of explaining it, 
it's okay for you to have a discerning opinion in the workplace. That's considered part of professionalism to hear every opinion and to let people be comfortable expressing that. If you don't feel psychologically safe, you're giving up your identity. You're giving up your thought. You're giving up your opinions. That can be very much construed as that boundary being crossed and you being subjugated to your workplace. It's a big sign of enmeshment. It's not just opinions. It could be things that we value. Maybe you work at an organization that suddenly has decided it's going to become very green and sustainable because that's very in right now. It gets social media hits and it's a popular opinion. You might not be anti-environmental, but maybe not to the extreme that your organization is yet you feel you have to be on board with all of that. I had a coworker who threw something out in the wrong trash can and the head of the department screamed at them and actually tried to write them up for it. That's an extreme. We're human. We make mistakes. Okay. So these are all signs. These are red flags and warning signs that you need to be aware of. If you have the Sunday scaries we've talked about before, if you're afraid to go into work, you might be feeling these boundaries being pushed. You might feel your own needs being completely ignored by the organization. If you have this love-hate relationship with work, you love it, but you feel depressed. You feel angry. You feel this kind of push and pull of, okay, I, there's a part of me. I love what I do. I hate where I do it. Or I just don't feel comfortable anymore. Those are all signs of enmeshment. And it's good to be aware of them. If you are denied your own identity at work, that is another clear sign of it. I used to work in a learning department where everybody had to put their Myers-Briggs letters in their email signature. And I, of course, protested this. And I used to make up letters to put in there just because I was getting so much pressure. And I remember my manager saying on the floor in front of everybody, she is ultimately going to become one of us. I had a very rocky tenure at that organization, not because I didn't do well, quite the opposite, but it was very clear. I was different and that was unacceptable. It was no wonder I left that organization. I never felt comfortable, not one day. If you feel any of those things, that discomfort, that anxiety, that malaise, that Sunday scaries, this might be the issue for you. So why is this so important? Because a lot of people have come back to me and said, that's work. We're not supposed to enjoy it. Yeah, you're supposed to feel comfortable. You're supposed to feel safe at work. Here's part of the danger. If you lose that job, 
you lose so much more than a job and a paycheck. You lose identity. If you've been in this enmeshment relationship, you are going through trauma. You have put yourself second, last, worse. You almost don't matter. And then when you no longer have those things that made it bearable, the health care, the social life, the maybe professional accolades, all of that goes if you lose your job, you are left with a big void. And it is very hard to make that up. What's worse, you have the danger of repeating that with the next job. So it's why it's really important that you step back. If you have that, you might want to think about some ways, some behavior, some changes to change that relationship. The importance of that is heal while you have that paycheck, while you have that health care, while you have that professional validation, the social group. It will be so much easier. I had this friend who lost her job and she left a toxic situation. One of the reasons we started talking was because in a meeting, she had mentioned that she thought that she was being sabotaged by a person on her team. And from what she told me, she was, and she had just moved, left everything. So she was very dependent on her job. And then the job went away. She was speaking at a conference and had this question of how do I describe myself? And it broke my heart that this incredibly talented, intelligent, accomplished woman struggled with how to define herself to a group of people. And this sounds funny, just because she lost her job. All of those accomplishments she had didn't go away because she no longer was going to this place to do them. Who you are is still the same. When you lose that home base, it feels like everything else is gone. You need to remind yourself of what you did and who you are. That's really key to getting back this relationship. If you're staying where you work, if you lose your job, and even if you leave on your own volition, there are some things to do to start the healing process. The first is to start setting some really firm boundaries. I understand that this needs to be in, but I can't work this weekend. Let me know which one of my projects I can put on the back burner so I can finish this during the work week. Pushing back is really scary, especially if you're feeling job insecure. It's a lot more effective than you would think. There is no price to pay for your health and your well-being. Another thing you might want to consider is professional development. And oh, that sounds weird. I'm already feeling stretched to the limit and you want me to take on a course. Professional development, especially outside of work, will help your confidence. It will build your skills. You will feel that satisfaction from within. Your 
teacher, your classmates will give you that support, that validation that you were looking for from work. I had a client who came into his job by accident, and he ended up being really good at it, but he lacked the formal education, the certification. I pushed him for years. Please take the class, get the certification. No, I'm not ready yet. I don't have time. It took just not being able to handle work anymore for him to make time. Within two classes, I get this phone call of, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this earlier? I know so much more than I thought I knew. I am loving this. I am the top student in the class. It feels great. They're actually still at that job, but their confidence level now, they understand they're the asset. They're bringing something to the table. Development is a great way to set a boundary. Little tiny habits can really just speak volumes. Stop eating lunch at your desk. Stop working through lunch. Take a walk. Go out and treat yourself to a nice meal once a week. You have to start living for you, not the job. Really important. Log off at night. Do you really have a job where you need to know what's happened at midnight? Oh, I'll go back to a company where I worked for. The CEO kept very strange hours. I think he had insomnia. He'd be up at 4 a.m. He'd start emailing his team. So what happened? Yep. The team would get up at 4 a.m. because there might be an email from the CEO that I have to answer. And he made this offhanded comment at a retreat saying, I thought I was the only one with insomnia, but clearly everybody else has trouble sleeping too. Someone finally had the courage to say, no, you email us at this time. So wake up to email you back so that you know that we're responsive. And the CEO felt horrible, thank goodness. And his admin taught him how to send an email later to put in that little trick that you can write the email now and hit send and then it won't go off for two more hours. Game changer for his entire team. You want to make sure that you train your manager. Yeah, I'm not going to look at email after 6 p.m. That's my family time. If it's really an emergency, call me. They probably won't call you. Email is easy. There's not anybody at the receiving end. I hit send. I walk away. I won't call you unless I need to. These tiny little things will have a big impact in carving out your identity at work. Keep in mind, if you get pushback and there's really not a valid reason, if someone says to you, I expect you to respond to my emails within an hour, no matter what time, day or night, that is not healthy. You are in a toxic environment and you need to look at changing it or leaving it. I know that's so easy for me to say, but I will keep saying there is no price for your well-being. I'm not saying if you experience one or two of these things, 
you're in enmeshment. I want you to be mindful and take a look at it and ask yourself, is this healthy for me? Is this a way of life or is this the life of a project? All of those things are going to help you decide. If you decide or you're not sure, consider talking to somebody, hire a coach, go to a trusted coworker. I would not actually don't go to a coworker. I'm going to take that back. Talk to a friend. And I don't mean this in a kind of, I don't know, sarcastic way, but if you don't have a friend outside of work to talk about, you are probably in this inappropriate relationship with work. You might even want to consider if you need a professional such as a therapist. If you have a job and some of these things are hitting home to you, hopefully you have health care, you have an EAP, now's the time to start putting it into action. I want you to look at this while you have a job because, again, if you lose a job and you have that lack of identity, it is much harder to recover because there are other aspects of your life that are in turmoil. Your health care, your finances, probably your housing situation, all of those things. Here are a few ways you can start to recover if you don't have a job. One is to start creating a structure for yourself. You'll need that. Structure is a very calming, centering thing. You don't have to plan every moment of the day. Sprinkle it in. Add a couple things. Add something once a day. After a few days and it feels like a habit, add something else. Add things that you enjoy. Think about reinventing yourself. It's a great way to shed a toxic relationship. It's a great way to shed enmeshment. Think about what you might want to do differently at a workplace. What boundaries you're going to set. How are you going to add value, but also be valued? These are all really important things. Make sure you get rest. If you've been involved in enmeshment, by its definition, you've been taken advantage of. You need to heal. Rest is one of the best ways to do that. Think of what your accomplishments have been. Remind yourself how skilled you are and your accomplishments, how they've helped other people, how they've helped the organization. One thing that's really important, if you've been listening to the podcast, go back to, I think, early this year, late last year, I talked to Dr. Mike Rucker, and he is the author of The Fun Habit. One thing he and I discussed that amazed me is that fun is the antidote to burnout. Having fun is important to us as human beings. It prevents things like enmeshment. It prevents things like burnout. If you don't know how to have fun, start making that your development. How do you have fun? What do you do for fun? Find something. Experiment. Now's the time to do it. Also, 
when you're in this course of reinvention, let your imagination run wild. Go through fantastical thinking. Think about what did you really want to do? What if money, education, time weren't issues would you do? It will give you an idea of what appeals to you, what makes you happy, because you are entitled to be happy. Okay? And finally, self-care. Really, at any point, self-care is so important for us as humans. When you've lost a job, you're worried about money, you're not sure how to, you're not sure how to budget things, you're worried about money coming in. Self-care seems to be a luxury. It is not. It is a necessity. There are all kinds of things you can do that don't cost any money that will help you heal. It will help you invest in yourself and start to create your own identity because that is one of the best ways to get past enmeshment and make sure you don't take that into the new job when you get it. And there you have it, enmeshment. Little food for thought for you. I hope that no one who's listening is feeling it. But if some of the things I've shared have hit a chord with you, you might want to take a few steps back and start to think about making sure you carve out that identity and self-care for yourself so that you remain healthy, whether to stay at your current job, look for a new one, or to find that next job if you've already lost one. This practice will not make your job search any shorter, but I think it will make it easier. This is Sabina. Thanks for listening. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.